<clears throat> well, good morning. Uh, like Rick said, my name is JC. I've been the college pastor. I still am the college pastor uh, for the last 13 years here. It's been an incredible uh, privilege, an incredible honor to do what I've done. If you were to have told me 13 years ago when I was applying for a job that I got told no to, Rick didn't tell you that part of the story. That's not quite as good of an intro of like, well, he applied for one job and we said no. Awesome. Uh, but then I came back, or they came back and offered me another job, which is what I've done for the last 13 years. And if you had told me 13 years later that I would be standing here on this morning saying, they've asked me to step into a new role, I would have gone, that doesn't make any sense to me. How do you go from being told no on a job um, to standing in a place where you go, I never would have thought that? And the answer is pretty obvious on a Sunday morning at a church. You go, oh, God. But what I don't wanna breeze by is um, I'm up here this morning saying things are changing for me, things are changing for us as a church, as a body, but I don't wanna breeze by that right now some of you aren't in, hey, things are changing and wow, how God's working. Some of you are going, no, all I've heard is the no recently. I, I haven't heard what my next 13 years are gonna look like. Or maybe you go, my last 13 years have not been Man, how good God has been to me, at least on the surface. It has seemed pretty hard in my world. And I just wanna invite you, whether you're here this morning going, all I've heard is no recently, or if you're here this morning going, man, the future is so covered with grace, and it all is, but you like see it in your world, in your family, in your relationships, you're going, I see how God's working. I just wanna invite us all this morning to go wherever we find ourselves there's a next step of faith to take. You might be here going, I'm here because last week was Easter and it was the first time in a long time I've darkened the doors of a church and I thought I'd give it another chance. Welcome. Or maybe you've been here for years and you're going, man, I remember when we built this space and we thought that was crazy. Now we're building more space. I, I don't care. I, I mean, I do, I don't. I, however you find yourself here this morning, I'm not a very good pastor. Um, I do care. I do care. Come back to second service and I'm gonna tell you how much I care. Um, but what I do care about is would you, would I this morning open-handedly go, my circumstances, I've been told no. Or my circumstances, God is doing something that I didn't even ask for. Wherever you find yourself, wherever I find myself, would we say, God, what's my next step of faith? And so that's what we're gonna talk about this morning is what is our next step of faith as we follow after God? Exodus 33 is where we're gonna kind of base ourselves this morning. It's one of my favorite scriptures. Um, it's been pretty pivotal in my own life. I was a freshman in college at Samford University in Birmingham. I have to always say that because people are like, you went to Stanford? <laughs> no, I went to Sanford. Sanford's still a great school. I'm not hating on Sanford, go Bulldogs. Um, but I was there my freshman year of college. I was at a church by myself and somebody was preaching through this text. And as the text was being read, it's not about being called to ministry. There's no part of it you go, oh, that's where you felt called to ministry. But as the guy was preaching, the Lord just graciously went, hey, why don't you give your life to ministry? And um, there have been many other decisions that I fought a lot, but this is one where I just went, oh, that sounds like a good idea. I called my parents. I, I used to do that every Sunday. If you're a college student, call your parents. Um, 
I would call him every Sunday just to check in. And so I called him on this particular Sunday after feeling like, oh my gosh, I think I might be called to ministry. And so I called my parents and I said, hey, I think I'm called to ministry. And I was waiting for them to be like, no, or like, I didn't know what they were gonna say. And uh, they just went, oh, well, we could have told you that when you went to college. And I said, well, maybe you should have. And they said, no, we wanted you to figure that out on your own, but we're so supportive of you. So this is a, a verse that's just meant a lot to me. And so we're gonna start at the very beginning of, of Exodus 33. Um, if you don't know the story of Exodus, maybe you're the person that just came last week and you're going, here we go, church people just jump in like I know what they're talking about. Exodus 33, Moses, maybe you've heard of him. He's the guy that was put in a basket, shipped away to Pharaoh's house. Uh, this is very Cliff Notes version. Um, he's raised up there. You're like, church should be like this more often. He's raised up there. Then he uh, runs away because he ends up killing somebody because he's so upset that he sees his own people being persecuted and enslaved. So he runs after killing somebody and he's in the wilderness for years and years and years. And he, I'm assuming, is going, God must be done with me. It looked like God had kind of set me apart to do something, but because of my decisions, I'm betting God's done with me. Well, then this bush catches on fire and there might've been other bushes catching on fire. I don't know, but I do know that Moses had to be like, oh, what has happened? Too much time with sheep and not enough water. Bushes are burning and now they're talking to me. And so uh, God says, Moses, I wanna use you still. I'm not done with you. Somebody in the room, I'm not done with you. And Moses is like, I don't, I don't think I'm the guy. And God's like, I'm pretty sure you are because I'm doing something pretty miraculous right now. You're the guy. So Moses goes back and he says, hey, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. And they all were like, no, 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 no. And he's like, no, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. And they were like, and Pharaoh's like, yes, no, no, no. And finally, God, all these plagues, again, this is a very bad overview of this. Um, finally, God does some miraculous things and Pharaoh says, get your people out of here. Well, you would think the people would be going, Moses, amazing, you're leading us out, unbelievable, thank you so much. But instead, just like you, just like me, God does something and it doesn't take long for me to look back and go, but is this really that much better, God? God, at least back there, I mean, I may have been enslaved, but at least I knew where my food was coming from. And so they start, kind of start to grumble. Moses goes before God and he's like, hey, your people, your people are not really too thrilled with this. Could you do something? So he's meeting and he comes off the mountain one time and this is the famous part of the story. They built a golden calf to worship. Now we go, that is crazy people. Like God hasn't shown up in the way you want and you built a golden calf? Like that is wild. And then we pull out little electronic devices and be like, who would worship something man? Like, come on, people, hold on. And like, we're so intrigued with these things that we go, the people of Israel must have been crazy. Like, is it that dark of a time? The times weren't that dark, it's just our hearts are. When we don't know exactly what God's doing, our hearts, my heart is so prone to run to anything I can create that I think will satisfy me. So he comes down off the mountain and Moses is like, what have we done? And again, some of you in here right now might be going, I'm at a calf worshiping moment of my life. My family, my finances, my things are what I'm turning towards. What I want you to hear this morning is that there's grace after the calf. 
even after you've run to things that you know won't satisfy, God still meets with his people. And in Exodus 33, that's where we are. I probably could have read all of Exodus faster than that. Um, But Exodus 33 is where we are. And it says this, the Lord said to Moses, depart, go up from here, you and your people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt to the land to which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob saying to you and your offspring, to you and your offspring, I will give it. I will send an angel before you and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go to the land flowing with milk and honey. So God speaks to Moses. He's like, all right, I'm about to do something, people. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm going to send an angel before you and all of the lands that I've told you about, they're about to be yours. You better be ready. And guess what else I'm gonna do? All your enemies, I'm gonna drive them out as well. And on the surface, you could be going, yes, More of this. God, I want to see more of that in my life. I want to see you come into my world and say, every obstacle that's before you, every enemy that feels like they're knocking at your door, God, if you could just move them out and deliver me to the promised land, that would be amazing. And sometimes that's what we want in our next step of faith, is to say, God, I want to see you do something like just drive out my enemies, open up opportunities for me, do something, God, in my life. But look what God says to them next. Go to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way. For you are a stiff-necked people. And when the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned and no one put on his ornaments. So God says, here's what I'm about to do. I'm gonna drive out all of your enemies. I'm gonna deliver the promised land to you. Life is about to be what I promised you years ago. And the people are like, oh man. And then God says, but there's one thing, I'm not gonna be with you. And the people are like, what? They they said that when they heard this disastrous word, they mourned. And as I was reading that this week, my question was this. If God promised me your enemies won't come against you, your finances will be in order, your family's gonna be amazing, the job opportunity that you so desperately want, the relationship you've been begging for, I will deliver it to you, but I won't be with you. Would you go, oh, no, 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 no. I, I, I don't want the things that you could promise me if you're not going with me. There's something in the Israelite people that even though they had just been worshiping a calf, I really respect that God says, all right, I'll do it. I will send an angel. I will open up the lands. I will get out everybody else that's against you, but I'm not going with you because you're stiff-necked people. And in that moment, when they heard God's not gonna be with us, they went, then we don't want that. And it led them to mourn. Because often what, what I assume, and maybe some of you assume this too, is that the next thing God's gonna do is just gonna be amazing and it's gonna make my life easier and it's gonna make much of me. But God always comes along and he goes, no, my plans are not to always make your life easier. My plans are always to make you more dependent on me. My plans are never to make your name big. My plans are always that you can take your little name and add it to my big name. The plans of God are always, man, at times I will drive out enemies and I will open up opportunities, but you've got to know that the opportunity is ultimately not that Fellowship Church be known 
or your company or your name or your family be known. Ultimately, it's that God says, I'm giving you an opportunity that I will be with you and I will do things that are so much bigger than you think, but it's never gonna be about you. My very first year on staff here, I was 26 years old at this time. I don't know what they were thinking, but I was 26 years old and uh, we're big into uh, global partnerships around here. Uh, we travel all over the world to a couple of certain places and we go again and again and again. And John Winters, our global partnerships pastor came to me and he's like, hey, what about a college trip? And I was like, man, let's do that. And he was like, Mexico's where I'm gonna send you first because it's our easiest partnership. And I was like, fantastic, let's go. And then all of a sudden I felt like Jason Bourne because he, for many reasons, um, but then <laughs> he set me down in his office and he's like, all right, I know the college students are gonna be like, excuse me, but at, when I was 26, smartphones were not a thing. I know. Um, and so there was no ability for him to like swipe through Facebook. I couldn't get on Facebook because I wasn't a college student. So what he did is he opened up this folder and he's like, all right, here's who you're going to be meeting in the airport. And I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. And he opens up a manila, uh, like a little folder. And he's like, this woman's name is Sarah Gomez. She will be waiting for you at the baggage claim and she will be the one taking you across the border. And I was like, I hope she does. And he's like, this is pastor Albert. You will be meeting him at his church. And I was like, Sure, and, then, and he finished up, he closed the file, and he goes, do you have any questions? I said, can I take that file? Because I'm not sure, I just remember all that you said. He's like, sure, you can do whatever you want with this. And so I get to Mexico, and I'm leading this little team, it was me and my wife, and there were like six or seven students. And uh, we're working, I had no idea what we're doing. I'm so sorry if you were on that trip. I didn't know what I was doing, I didn't even know it was an opportunity, what we could do if we wanted to. And so every day we were just kinda hanging out with the kids, that's good. And then finally one day, Sarah was like, hey, we have another orphanage down in Rosarito. Do you wanna go down to that one? And I was like, we would love to. She's like, great, there's some projects you could do. And I was like, even better. And so we get down there, uh, our little team of seven, eight, and there's another team from Ohio. I still have a little bitterness towards them, but okay. There's this other team from Ohio, and they've been there like all week, painting buildings. And if you've ever painted a building, it's like immediate you know, impact. Like I'm seeing the orphanage change right in front of me and they are laughing. They are like cutting up. They're like, oh, and they're singing songs together like in harmony. And it's like, just, I don't know if that's true, but it's, that's how it, I remember it in my head. And they're like just doing all these powerful things. And I was like, man, this is amazing. Way to go, Ohio. And I was like, what should we do? And Sarah's like, well, there's, there's that uh, pile of garbage. Could you put that in the dumpster? And I was like, of course we can. So we load the dumpster up real quick. And I was like, now what should we do? And she's like, well, there's, um, you see these two buildings? There was one dorm and another dorm. And I was like, yeah. She's like, we want to connect those with like a little paver path. And I was like, that's going to be awesome. Where are the pavers? She goes, no, no, no. First, we have to pull the weeds. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, so I was like, you want us to pull the weeds? She's like, I would love for you to pull the weeds. And I was like, perfect. Well, I get down. These hands don't, well, no, they don't. I was about to be like, they pull some, they don't pull weeds. Um, so I get down, I start pulling these weeds. Well, apparently Mexican weeds are thorny in nature. And so I start pulling them. I was like, oh, this is awful. The whole time, what's happening? Ohio's, praise the Lord, we're painting, we're making. And I'm just over there with my little six or seven people, like pulling weeds. Ding, 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 ding. They ring the lunch bell. I was like, lunchtime, amazing. We go in for lunch. Uh, after lunch, Ohio's like, woo, let's go to the next building. Let's paint it white. And we're like, oh, newness. Sarah, what should we do? She's like, man, have y'all finished weeding? And I was like, I don't know. It's like a desert. I, I don't know. Like, um, no? Because I mean, I'm assuming if she asked, the answer is no. And I went, no, maybe? She goes, why don't you finish that? I was like, 
Yes, why don't we? So I go out there, and this is where you're gonna go, really? I promise you this is true. We're out there. If you've ever been to Rosarito, on a clear day, you can see the Pacific Ocean from the orphanage. So I'm out there pulling weeds. And just internally, it was my first mission trip, like as the leader, um, I am so mad. I mean, I am so mad that I'm pulling weeds in Mexico. And really, it's not that I'm pulling weeds. That's not really the, uh, the thing. The true thing was I was afraid that the team was going, what kind of leader brings students to Mexico to pull weeds? And so I am just boiling on the inside, honestly. We're pulling weeds, can't they get some Roundup? You know, like I was just so, I was so mad. And then in a moment of just real grace, the Lord went, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I promise you, I looked out, this is like my life, it feels like. I look out over the Pacific Ocean and I'm pulling weeds so mad. And I feel like the Lord just went, man, you just, you're so off, JC. Because you think you should come down here and have, make, like, make a big impact. You think I should clear out the enemies and open up the promised land for you to come down and do something monumental. The problem is you don't understand that in my kingdom, the kingdom of God, you don't really even deserve to be the guy pulling the weeds. You're just thinking way too much of yourself. You're a young pastor who thinks I'm here to move and shake and create things and do things. And he's going, just be faithful in pulling some weeds. Would you rather be much in your kingdom or pull the weeds in mine? And every part of me wanted to like gather the team around and be like, all right, guys, come here. I've got a devotional for us. And like pull the weeds with joy now. Let's beat out Ohio, right? Let's throw the weeds on their wet paint. <laughs> that would have been... <laughs> That would have been sinful. I need, I need to talk more about this, I think. Um, but isn't it true? Maybe you're nothing like me. You would be like, oh, I would have loved that. But in my life, it's just true that I don't want the job where they say, pull the weeds, where I'm not even sure anybody notices. I'm not even sure if they got the stones down before there were more weeds coming back up. I don't know. But what I do know in my heart is I often want the Lord to go, open up big doors for me, God. Do amazing things for me. And he goes, just be faithful in the small ways. And as a church, I've been asked to only think about us. So as a church, we are planning campuses all over Knoxville, and I love it. I love that we are a multiplying church because who wants to just build a big church and be happy with that? But one thing I'm committed to is I want us to be a weed-pulling church. Not a, hey, come check out our facilities. Hey, come check out the programs we've got. But how do we engage people in the community and say, we just wanna serve you as well with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We wanna be faithful to Christ as we preach to you the word of truth and serve you faithfully. As we open up our homes and invite you in so that we can sit in life groups and talk about the hard and the good. Where we can celebrate birth and mourn when there is death. But then the other thing is I want us to be a weed pulling church and I want to be a church where we don't say we're trying to reach the world. We're trying to be innovative. We're trying to do new things with the gospel because we're planting churches. Again, Please hear me say this. I am not against us planting churches, but I've been asked to think about us. I want Middlebrook to be a church that our church plants look at and go, how can we be more effective with the gospel like they are? 
How can we do a better job of reaching our neighbors like Middlebrook is? Let's be the standard, not in like a, we're the gold standard, but what if we don't settle for just, oh, we're big, we're about to build a building. Or what if we went, yeah, we're building a building so we can get into the life of high school students and children and pull more weeds because they're everywhere. We can't be like the people of Israel and go, God, just open up an incredible opportunity. We've gotta go, but only if you're going with us. So they get pretty upset about it, uh, the people of Israel. And Moses says, I'm gonna set up a tent of meeting and I wanna meet with you, God. And so he meets with God and he prays and we actually have the recording of what happens there. And in Exodus 33, we're gonna jump forward a couple verses. Verse 12, it says this, Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people but you have not let me know whom you'll send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor in my sight. Now often what happens when we find out that God wants us to take our next step of faith is that we do start asking the question, well, who, who's gonna go with me, God? God, I do have this desire to be a bigger influence for the gospel in my little neighborhood. God, I do desire to be a gospel influence in the way that I work. God, I do want to represent the way that you've changed me with my family members. But I wanna know, God, like who are you sending with me? Because I'm on campus and I'm trying to reach out to people there, but who are you gonna send with me? And God, I do wanna be a businessman or a businesswoman who's making an impact, but who else is gonna like kind of come around me? Or man, in my family of origin, I wanna go back to mom, dad, brother, sister, extended family, whoever it is. I wanna make an impact and we often go, but God, who are you gonna send with me? And God just goes, I think you're asking the wrong question, Moses, because you always wanna know who and I'm telling you, it might be you. We often go before God and say, God, who's gonna change culture? God, who's gonna disciple the next generation? God, who's gonna raise up a church that doesn't just settle that we currently have young people coming, but who's gonna be the church that says, we believe the wave is just starting of how the gospel can impact people? Who's gonna do it? And, and you all know this, because the people on this platform don't desire to be made much of but it's not going to be Greg or Rick or RD or me or whoever. The incredible pastors we have in children's and middle school and high school and college and adults. Like it's not gonna be those people, it's us. And so when, when, when Moses says, see you say to me, bring up this people, but you've not let me know who you'll send. God says, well, I know who you are and I know that you found favor in my sight. And what if this week, that was your quiet time? I'm just not sure people are in the word as much as we as pastors think they are, so I'm just gonna give you your quiet time for this week, okay? Maybe you have an awesome one, keep it up. If you don't, maybe just this week, Exodus 33:12. 12. What if every morning you just woke up this week and went, God, you've sent me to these people, to the place I live, to the place I work, to the place I play, you've sent me there, but I wanna know who you're sending with me. And what if your quiet time this week was just to focus on the words, I know you by name, you've found favor in my sight. God, as I go to this meeting this week, help me know that more than what they say about me, the most true thing about me is you know me by name. God, I feel forgotten in so many circles. I feel left behind 
in so many opportunities. But today, this week, would you help me know you know me by name. And I found favor in your sight. Quit asking who. I kind of wish this didn't rhyme. Quit asking who and know that God knows you. Because the who will change. You'll have different partners in business. You'll have different roommates. You'll have, you'll have different people that are working beside you in the cubicle. But one thing that will say the same is Christ will say, I know you by name. And it can change everything. So Moses responds and he goes, That's, thank you, Lord, for that. Now, therefore, if I found favor in your, shite, in your sight, please show me your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. So he goes and he says, God, I'm willing to take my next step of faith, whether it's at work, where I'm you know, with my family, whatever it is for us. Um, he says, God, I see that you're calling us as a people to take our next step, to move. But if it's true that you do know me by name, show me your ways. God, teach me how I should be running my life. God, show me, let me not just know that, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I went to the church thing. I gathered with the people of God, but I want to know what your ways are for my life. Show me the next step that you would have me take. And that I may find favor in your sight, consider too that this nation is your people. And what I love is Moses is interacting with God. He's going, man, this has been hard. This has been difficult. But I just want to remind you, God, these are your people. I just want to remind you, God, this is your idea. And I am begging us, not you, I'm begging us to have missions for our life that occasionally you have to go to God and say, God, this was your idea. God, this is so much bigger than me. I've got to remind you, this one's on you, God. If you don't show up, this doesn't work. Now, as a preacher, you might say that and go, that's right, because we're about to build a building and he's about to change his jobs. Again, pull weeds. Don't forget we're pulling weeds here. Because for some of you, your next step of faith, that would be going before God and saying, if you don't show up, this doesn't work, would not be taking a new job. For some of you, your next step of faith would be sitting down, and as soon as I say this, some of you are gonna be like, oh, gosh. Sitting down with your spouse this afternoon and just turning towards them. Like making eye contact with your spouse and saying, we need a fresh start. It's not building a building. It's not taking a new job. But for some of you, that would be an incredible step of faith. One that would be a lot more than me taking a new job. For some of you, it'd be picking up the phone to a son or daughter that is just strange and you go, I've tried and I don't know what else to do and the Lord's just going, I haven't given up on you. You don't give up on them. Pick up the phone. And you're going, yeah, but God, there's, quit trying to make answers. If he's calling you to take a step of faith, sometimes you want that step of faith to be so big that you go, God, when I call, this won't work. And it may not work today, and it may not work next week, but the Lord constantly says, just keep taking steps of faith. Trust that I can do 
what you can't do. So for some of you, it's turning towards your spouse. For some of you, it's sitting down with your kids and saying, I need to apologize for the way I've talked around you. I need to ask for a do-over in some ways. For some of you, it's going to the guys, the girls you work with and saying, hey, I know that I've always been that guy. I'm not gonna be that guy anymore. I'll still go on the business trips, but I'm going back to the hotel a little earlier this time. Hey, I know as a business, we've always kind of done money this way. I can't do money that way anymore. And you're going, but I don't know how they're gonna respond. I don't even know if I'll have a job. And again, we're not looking for steps of um, competence. We're looking for steps of dependence, of going, God, we wanna do things that make us dependent on you. We wanna be living lives on Tuesday where people go, I actually think they believe there's a God whose grace is sufficient for them even in times of need. but I'm begging that we would be, can you imagine? I don't know what second service is gonna be like, but just at first service, if we said we will be people this week that will honestly evaluate where the Lord's calling to take a next step of faith. Now, if you think that next step of faith is gonna be gigantic, chill, chill out, and maybe start back on, God, what's the small step of faith I could take? Because in my own life, I know for me, it's normally been these really small steps of faith. And now I do happen to be at a stage in my life where, where having been working with college students, they come and they say, how did you get there? How did that happen in your life? Tell me about that part of your marriage. And I don't ever go, well, there was this one weekend, fireworks. Normally I go, I don't know. It was 13 years of being a college pastor. It was 17 years of not perfectly, but gracefully and faithfully turning towards her when I wanted to turn away. But we all go, man, I want to be there one day. I want the land open and amazing things to happen. And God says, then be faithful in the really small things. Consider too that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. What a gift of God. He says, oh, I'm going with you and I'm gonna give you rest. Can you imagine those words hitting Moses? Rest? Oh, the word here is not only like take a nap, but it's like a place to be. Some of your internal worlds just need to hear that the Lord, through the grace of Christ, says, I wanna give you rest. He said to him, Moses said to God, oh, I just wanna be clear, God, if your presence will not go with me, don't bring us up from here. He said, I just wanna make it really clear, God, if, if you're not going, we're not going. I mean, this is crazy town down there. We've got calves burning. We, I mean, things are going wild and you just promised the promised land and all the enemies being driven out. But I, I just wanna make it clear, God, if you don't move, we don't move. Like that's how I'm gonna lead is what Moses is saying. My leadership style, Moses is saying is, when God moves, I move. When God stays, I stay. We live in the 21st century and we like to go, go, go. And sometimes the Lord just says, hey, in my time, I'll do something. Rest. Why does he want God to go with him? And he says, for how will it be known that I found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us that we are distinct? 
I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. That's how the people of God are known. When the spirit of God falls and the people go, there's something different about you. This is not, again, news to you. We are not the only big church in Knoxville. We are not the only church in Knoxville that's gonna have new space. So if we think for a moment, man, we got a new youth building that's gonna be broken ground any day and new children's space, and man, there's gonna be space for the children to expand and for our youth to expand. Man, the Lord is on us. No, 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 no. We might just be a church with a bigger building. But if we go, when you tell us to move, we'll move, and the Spirit of God, we are gonna be so dependent on you, then people will go, I don't, yeah, I think they built a new building. That's not really what I know about them. What I know about them is they are the people of God, and there's something unique about them. They are trying to make disciples of every generation. Not in a building, but in life. Disciple making is our goal. So I found out I was getting this new job. Maybe you've heard. And um, I sat down with my kids. Actually, I stood, my kids sat at our kitchen island. I'm prone to talk, surprisingly, and drama. I'm a little dramatic at times. Uh, My wife's like, Sometimes, all the time. I'll be like, we're never gonna be able to afford that. She's like, well, it's a pizza. I think we'll be okay. Um, And so I was sitting down with my kids and I was like, hey, all right, guys, here's what's happening. I'm taking, and I talked and I talked and I talked and I talked about how we have to be, wherever God leads, you go. Whatever God asks you to do, you do it. I said, so how's that hit you all? I'm taking a new job at Fellowship. I said, how's that hit you? Annie, my daughter, she's in the middle. She goes, I thought you were pregnant. I was like, (laughs) what? Not me, that would have been very miraculous. My wife, she goes, I thought we were gonna have another kid. And I was like, oh. I said, James, he's our youngest. James, how did that hit you? I must have been very dramatic. He goes, I thought you were gonna go to prison. I was like, what? (laughs) My gosh, what is wrong with my parenting? That's my step of faith, parent better. My oldest son. said, Dad, does that mean college students won't sit in our house on Thursday night? I said, I said, yeah, it does. That was powerful. The more powerful thing was this. I mean, literally, he said, does that mean college students won't sit in our house on Thursday night? He's never had a Thursday night in his life where there weren't college students. And I said, yeah, buddy, it does. Didn't miss a beat. He goes, well, then who will? For 13 years, we've tried to create place for, for students to know Jesus. But sometimes the win is in disciple making is when you're pulling weeds and your son goes, all I know about our family is we sit in circles and we talk about Jesus. It's not always glamorous, but when the Lord is on it, there's nothing else like it. Some of you in this room have some big steps of faith in front of you. Corporately, God, I think, is saying, I want to do something in Knoxville, not for your sake, but so that the name of Jesus can be lifted up. Colossians 1, Paul's writing to the church, and he says, you have a mystery 
that Moses and Abraham and everybody before you was jealous of. Because you know hope. Christ in you is the hope of glory. So this week, as you find where you need to pull your weeds, and as you find where you need to take your next step of faith, I pray that you would keep your eyes on Christ, that we would keep our eyes on Christ and go, God, if you don't, we're not moving without you.